Hey, everybody, and welcome to Pod Stallions. Before we actually begin the show, I wanted to quickly mention that our friend and co-host, Jason, has a new show on YouTube called Plastic Soul. And if you like what we do here, you should certainly check it out. Um, Jason, you want to describe Plastic Soul? Yeah, uh, Plastic Soul is a bite-sized, each episode is kind of a bite-sized little chunk of pop culture stuff. Um, it was, uh, it's on the Entertainment Earth YouTube uh, channel, and it's, uh, it's a little show that I've been doing uh, since about April or so. And each episode is between like six and eight minutes long, and it's about another bit of pop culture or geekdom or, or stuff that I love, uh, whether it's something current that I found on the shelves, like a Star Wars thing, or it's Monty Python, or it's Hitchhiker's Guide, or it's, uh, you know, uh, Gravity Falls, or Kenny Everett. I mean, so far, I've put up, I think, maybe close to 40 of these episodes, and it runs the gamut. Like, it's all over the place. It's basically yeah. a little bite-sized version of, of the stuff that we talk about in the podcast, on the podcast. And all the minutiae that's sort of floating around my head that... I sort of want to share and either I'm either holding a product or a thing that I love or this thing I've had since I was a kid or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we dig you guys so much and we know that you you like the stuff we're doing in the podcast. And I say you guys, I don't know if there's four of you out there or thousands. Do we have an army? If we had to get an army, we have, going, we have a legion, we have a legion. We could attack a castle. I don't know how many people are out there because Brian doesn't let me into no. that he no. doesn't look let me look behind the curtain so i have no idea you're this overpaid just, at 25 dollars a week i don't even know if this is ever getting broadcast for all i know brian just takes these and throws them away or just is making a library to blackmail me with i use know. a lot of bots to pretend that the show's out there yeah, like, yeah. Down, down the way but you know brian does these great videos that are very toy centric the stuff i'm doing i mean I'm in them, you see my face, but you can always look away and just keep the sound on if you don't want to actually physically have to look at me. Um, but it's this, it's the same kind of stuff. It's just all the all the stuff that we love, we're doing on different levels and stuff. And, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, likes and views and subscriptions, etc. So I'm going to be a pest. And every time we do this, I'm just going to mention again, I'd love it if some of you, any of you, all of you could go and check out Plastic Soul. Uh, on YouTube, Entertainment Earth YouTube channel. It's called Plastic Soul, the pop culture show for Entertainment Earth. And um, give it a, give it a view. I think I think you'd really enjoy it too. It's not just uh, you know I'm not trying to sell a. No, I, I mean uh, if, if if you like this podcast, you're gonna like Plastic Soul. So uh, please consider hitting like and subscribe and sharing and telling your friends. Exactly. And I'll keep saying it until I get annoying. <laughs> That's okay. Thanks, everybody. And now on to our regularly scheduled program and our new topic. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Pod Stallions. I am one half of Pod Stallions and me, I'm Brain, and him are the other half, Jason. How are you doing, man? Hi, everyone, and me, I'm Jason, and am half Brain and some Brawn. Ooh. Ooh, what do you think of that? I, I, I don't know what to think of that. Um, improvised, improvised reply. Before we get started on the episode, I thought we'd just chit-chat because you and I have had exciting summers um, in, in the form of doing cons. You spent yeah. a whirlwind time at San Diego, San, San Diego, San, San Diego. Con, San Diego. And Diego. for the first time in three years, and you were interviewing the stars. Uh, how did it go? Yeah. 
it went really well. It was, um, I'm not going to lie. I was a little anxious about it beforehand just because, but I'm like that with travel. And I, when I pulled my suitcase out uh, to load it up, I, there was a little tag on the suitcase, like Amtrak. And I looked at it and I went, oh my God, the last time I used this suitcase was taking the Amtrak train down to Comic-Con in 2019. Wow. So it, just to tell you how isolated life has been. Um, so, but just, you know, the anxiety was just like, I just want to get there. I just want to get the pass. I just want to get in the building. I just want to get through, you know, and then once you're kind of there. I call that a weekday. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But times 10. And then you just kind of get there, you know, when that, once that first, you know, night just kind of started to kick off, it was, you know, it felt like, like Comic-Con. It didn't, it didn't, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but it, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was going to be crazy. I thought for sure it was going to be super busy. Like, I didn't think it was going to be dead. Um, but I don't think it really started to kind of feel more like Comic-Con until about Friday. So Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday really blew up. And you can see it in the footage up top, you know, with all the people down below and stuff in those in those interviews. Um, you know, and some people, you know, just weren't there like DC, uh, you know, Warner Brothers didn't have that, that huge amount of space they had. They weren't there and people were kind of hedging bets and stuff. But but for the most part, I think everybody was excited to be there. So it was it was strange. And in, in ways, it felt completely alien. And then, you know, at the same time. You'd, I'd be talking to somebody downstairs, you know, out on the floor, talking you know, an, an EE employee, just talking about stuff or looking at the booth, and it just went. It feels like I just had this conversation like six months ago. Like it felt that that normal kind of. Hmm. Um, but it was the first time uh, in three years, and now there's the the Plastic Soul uh, pop culture show that's on the Entertainment Earth YouTube channel that I'm hosting and producing, and so that was a really cool component. So that. Uh, ideally i would have liked to have gone down and kind of run around with a with a crew or, or you know just a camera or whatever and just just got some some random stuff or talked to some folks uh but instead i kind of went around and grabbed people you know like like brian flynn and and at one point randy falk at, at NECA, i went to him right he's like oh i'd love to talk yeah i'll come down that'd be great and then he left like two days later and so that never happened but but you know just kind of went around knocked on doors said hi to everybody and started to generate some stuff while there and then there was all the guests that were coming to the booth uh and then we just had this great little studio spot up on the second floor with the the step and repeat board you know behind us and um and uh you know i you know this is gonna all sound egotistical but like it's not like i don't do research you know uh uh you know, I, I, what I, you know, it's not like I'm not going to do research before if I don't know who a person is or whatever, but yeah. I don't need, I don't need to be there with like a stack of note cards and, you know, so then you did, you know, because a lot of it's just kind of locked in. And, 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 and also when you do that kind of stuff, it, the Chris Farley show was the greatest parody of that ever. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. You, you, I mean, I think the, my, my thing with interviews and, you know, most of the interviews I've done of the, you know, X number of ones I've done over the years. I'm not on camera. So it's a very different bag to be on camera to do it. And I just kind of ignore that, that it's there. I'm used to certainly voiceover and, you know, even this show, I'm not used to being on camera. And so there are times where I do get a little nervous and sort of uh, nitpicky about how things look or how I look and stuff. Um, so I kind of just put that off in a drawer. And so with someone like Modine, Matthew Modine, with the career that he's had, I knew I was going to go into that uh, to cover stranger things of course because being in the zeitgeist more than ever um for this season 
but also the career. And so that was a great example where, you know, I had an idea of the, the directors I wanted to hit and some of the titles I wanted to throw at him. And it was supposed to be a seven minute interview. And he sat there for like 25 minutes. And I felt like we could have been doing it all day. Like he was, he just loved these questions. He loved talking about these things that, you know, like I, at one point I talk about a, a music video, a Roy Orbison music video that, that, that his buddy directed that he's in and a young actress named Winona Ryder was also in the music <laughs> video. And then, you know, so many years later, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, so, you know, and then the Queen Zelina and, uh, and Cody Rhodes and the, I don't know, I don't know WWE, but I got a little bit of background on her. I had no background on him. It literally was like, oh, this guy's here too. Would you like to? I'm like, sure. You know, got his name, stood there and just riffed on the entire thing. And so I think, but I think what I'm getting at is I think the people kind of appreciate the, the improv of it. They appreciate when you know what you're talking about and they appreciate that it's not the same old kind of questions. And I think you get some really good stuff that way. So all of those went really well. We just kind of managed to get all of them up. I think most of them are up now. Yeah, it looks like you're getting to the end there. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was great. And, and overall, you know, I, I, I think I, I told you about Thursday night's, um, Shatner concert thing Yeah, on a rooftop, uh, after he had a little VIP thing with some people that paid a lot of money, I think. Um, then he did a, a, a sort of a, you know, a speech about this new record that's coming out and he kind of riffed on tambourine man. And then he did this new song that nobody could record. Uh, I mean, I certainly didn't out of respect, um, but you know, it's Shatner. It's like, you're going, we still live in this world with this guy and, Crazy, eh? and he does this song that was like, about, you know, he was writing the lyrics to these new songs on this record and, and this guy's accompanying him on, on piano and it's something called tree or trees or something. And it's, you know, it's that voice with the microphone and he's reading the thing and he's like, you know, when I go, you know, don't put me in a ground in the ground. Don't put me in a box. You know, no, no Shiva for me. You know, don't, don't, don't put me in an urn. You know, no cremate. Like all these things. Just plant a tree instead. I don't need to be fussed over. Like, don't have a. He's saying like, don't have a big, don't go to trouble. Just plant a tree in my name. But it was all about mortality. You know, because he was talking about the rocket ship experience and stuff. And I swear to God that you know it was like you're all of a sudden getting choked up at at this weird example of a song that he was doing. And just those moments of like, I'm standing here, this is Shatner's probably 800,000th convention to do anything to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a blur to him now. You know what I mean? And and I got to see him riff, do a little bit of Tambourine Man live, you know, like a hundred feet away from me. So that was amazing. And then there was a 40th anniversary Tron uh, dance party uh, that Disney put on on Friday night that I went to, which was very cool. Um, didn't didn't dance, but took a lot of ecstasy. No, no, it was uh, it was great, and I I I, uh, I Sark, Sark's esque ecstasy. I happened to um, they had these photo things where you could you know stand in front of a, a background a Tron background, and then there were little um, foam core props that you could hold and do these 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 little pictures or videos or something. Mm -hmm. Some and somehow a foam core Tron disc classic 82 tron disc made its way into my bag somebody must have put it there i don't know oh, it's got out of there like a, a frame up saw matt berry and uh kirsten shawl 
uh, right there in uh, in Old Town as we were going someplace else. Um, and I was this close to just going, yeah, I think I want to go say hi because he's going to remember me from Flash Gordon and from uh, you know, what we do in the Shadows season two party and everything. And yeah. I thought, ah, just leave him alone. I'm just going to leave him alone. So I didn't. Uh, but it was kind of cool seeing him there. And then um, and then the Monster Party guys, they they came by the booth. That was very cool. And they well, said, I saw that video. Yeah. They were like, listen, we're doing a you know we're doing a hang basically come to the, come to the hotel at this room or whatever and um went with a couple other people and they're recording i didn't i don't think i realized they were recording oh you were and, you were expecting like an eyes wide shut experience yes very much so at the very least you know or or you know or five easy pieces either oh, one yeah yeah that'd be good too um but but it, and they were recording it's like oh and the next thing i know i'm sitting in the chair and we start start recording so i you know and then this other guy showed up that would this guy who wrote the screenplay for the crow and he wrote these books about the outer limits and he's a writer working for uh john carpenter and stuff and then he, we started riffing it was great it was just a really cool thing to do uh so you know every bit of time was was used up with something down there so it was great and yeah i got some stuff and didn't think i would but suddenly you turn around and there's two bags full of shit you got to bring back from san diego <laughs> uh but it was good overall it was good it was nice to be back what'd you bring me uh some great memories oh really really great memories i thought to myself what what do you get the guy that has everything like something i wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know what to get you oh yeah that you already either don't have or just like you know what what's going to impress him you know i did talk about logan's run on the podcast oh that's nice and I mentioned your name actually. Oh, because Loser Brian is really into that. Because they were talking about uh, Twilight Zone, and oh, Larry yeah. was Larry was of course grilling me about, you know, the eight inch. Can you do those again? Can you do this? And of course, the Rod Sterling thing came up again, and I as it very, does, I very gently navigated why that's never going to happen. Um, but you know what's funny is somebody actually said to me, and and I've been in this experience before. Well, Carol Serling's dead now, so maybe it can get through. And yes, that does sometimes work, except when, you know, I'm assuming that his children now have control of it. And I very much doubt his children are going to go, well, mom didn't want that, but we don't care. Like, I still don't think that's going to happen. Well, uh, again, I'm being very, very careful about what I say, but... Um, yeah, it's funny when she was alive, you know, her not wanting to do something with his likeness is what blossomed our license into having action figures and other categories and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, I could have been a, a jerk and said, well, it's in the paperwork. We've got it and we're doing it anyway, you know. Um, but, you know, out of respect and everything. Um, well, she's gone now, but there are two daughters and yeah. there's much more to it regarding the politics within the three of them and that dynamic oh that um you know is is heavy and sad and um yeah we don't, uh, need, we don't need to get into that yeah here. just it's just it's just it's just sad it's i don't think it's ever going maybe one day it'll all of a sudden happen but believe me i have knocked on the doors uh uh trying to get connected in different ways uh to try to make it happen and it's just it's just a, a virtual impossibility, I think. Yeah, well, the, if, if it ever does get figured out, it'll be selling like crazy. 
You know? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, they mentioned Logan's run. So they, they always bring up Logan's run. And I was talking about Buckaroo Banzai. And I was saying that my bet was if reaction did super seven, did, did Buckaroo Banzai figures that they would do better than Logan's run. That's nothing against Logan's run. It's, it's, it's cute. You're wrong. The, no, no, but it's the eighties thing. It's like everything eighties they do from electric boogaloo to whatever. It's like, it's the, I could see the packaging, the gem stuff, the gem figures that they did people were going mental for those. So I could see them taking Buckaroo Banzai, which will never happen because it's too complicated. Um, but that started the Logan's Run conversation. And then I said, well, I think that there were some figures that were gonna be made for the TV show. Said, yeah, oh yeah, for the, and they're like, yeah, for the TV show. And I said, in fact, I think Brian Heiler has uh, like re or has made some you know customs or something or had the, the, the molds, or I don't know what I said. I, 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 yeah, I, I actually do own the prototypes. Yeah, I said, yeah. I think Brian's been selling those. I said, Brian's been selling those on the black market now for ooh, 10, 11 years. And the studio hasn't got wind. No, I didn't say that. Um, so I mentioned your name. Even all those many thousands of miles away at Comic-Con, with all that I had to do, you were still in my thoughts. Yeah, my ears were burning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now how was your, how was your um, cat fancy convention that you yeah the to. cat fancy convention was amazing i was signing of course of course um the uh well, I, what i did was i hopped in the car very foolishly at the last minute and went to PowerCon, um mainly to see uh my pal steve who runs Mega meet with me mm -hmm. uh but also uh, there was so much opportunity like first time PowerCon had been in columbus the folks at Mega were there and they wanted me on a panel um Oh, you did a panel? I didn't know. No, that. I didn't. I missed it. Steve went oh. in my place, actually, oh. which, which was uh, it, it, a couple things didn't work out. Like Paul Clark, Doctor Migo, his flight got canceled. Oh, um, no. which actually worked out in his benefit because he had a he had a health scare like a day later, and so in a way, it was really good. He wasn't in Ohio or in a plane to Ohio, um, but. Uh, I got to meet some folks that I've, I've, you know, I've been friends with or friendly with for a long time, like uh, Pixel Dan Erdley. Um, oh yeah, Dan Larson from a lot of Dan's. Uh, Dan Larson from um, Toy Galaxy. Uh, Toy Galaxy. Thank you. Yep. Um, I got to meet uh, Blake Wright, who's the author of the um, the toys uh, toys that for time forgot. I think it's called. And, oh uh, yeah, I know that book. And uh, he's launching a new magazine called Toy Collector. I, I met him. Um, I ran into, believe it or not, our old pal, Mark Huckabone. Um, oh, you saw Mark. So that was, after he, yeah, he showed up a day late. Um, okay. So you saw him after Comic-Con though. Yeah. After, I saw him. I saw him. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. um, and then I, you know, it was, it was a really great show. I actually, oh, Rich, Rich from, um, uh, Nacelle was there, my publisher. And, uh, I actually got to sign a copy of knockoffs for a customer, which was just delightful. Oh, and that's a good yeah, that's gotta be a good feeling it, it, yeah it was fantastic <laughs> and um really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the experience um i didn't i went in fully expecting this is going to be all he-man but that's okay you know and it was not it was mm -hmm. um a much better experience than that for me i mean i consider it a better experience there, there was tons of he-man but there was a lot of dealers with you know there was there was so much eye candy there, Jason. It was amazing. You know, if you yeah, think of it, a, it was there. It's like a con. It's like it can. It's like a it's like an excuse to put on a convention for one thing. 
but everyone that's got all kinds of stuff, you know, it's it's. I think well, I apparently, at one time they were they were you couldn't sell other stuff at. I went to one maybe five years, four years ago, maybe the Cal an LA one. I think yeah. it was PowerCon, um, and it was about I'd say it was about seventy five percent He Man stuff. Oh, okay. And then there were other other merch, but but I don't know much about the the convention. So yeah, we actually talked in the we talked. On That's right. I down. found you. I found you during the worst reception ever. That's right. I forgot That's about right. that. On your drive down, yeah. Yeah, and um, no, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, and what did you get, what'd you get me? I got you uh, this T-shirt. Mm. Yeah, and I hope you're an extra large. I love it. Just send yeah. it when you're done with it. <laughs> it. It um, it was it was a terrific experience. I did want to mention one thing. You you mentioned mm -hmm. this at the top, saying you know you hadn't checked your luggage, uh, in you know in years and. Mm. I was at a motel on the way down there. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people need to upgrade those summer clothes. Um, I think I just I noticed some people wear like a trend of people wearing very like ill-fitting, odd summer clothes, and then I started to realize, oh yeah, it's been like three years since most people have had a vacation. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, and I mean, like, and it just, I, I just, like, I kind of, you know, realized later, like, it's not that people are dressed weird. It's just, these are definitely, like, they were all wearing, you know, what I would consider cabana clothes, like uh, George, George Costanza's dad, you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was um, great to be in the States again and uh, had a lot of fun. And you, you stayed, so when I talked to you, you were just getting there and you stayed for, what, a couple of days? Um, yeah, I... I stayed for um, overnight in Columbus for the show, and then I did the show all Sunday, and then I booked it back, and I got to Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, where mm. I often stay, and mm. just slept there that night. You know, I watched um, I watched a, a movie in my hotel room and passed out. Um, but uh, really, what, really terrific. What, what movie? What, yeah, Run, Ronnie, Run. Um, the Mr. Show movie? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, my God. Um, I had listened to uh, Bob Odenkirk's biography on the way down. And, um, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, you know, it talked extensively about the making of Ron Roddy Ron, a movie I hardly, probably haven't seen in 20 years. So I, I, I saw I, it on a bootleg. Yeah, me too. Somebody that had was... a, well before it actually got released on, yeah, like I mean, DVD. Yeah. yeah, and um, I watched it, and I realized, yeah, no, it's still not very good. You know, um, it it and Brain Candy are like the two, you know, great white hopes for me of sketch comedy movies, and both of them are just kind of, you know, they're kind of there. You know, now that you mentioned Brain Candy, and I know, did we ever do a Kids in the Hall episode? I think we no, did. but oh, did we? We, I don't know. It seems like it's one of those things that I think of and I go, there's no way we haven't done a Kids in the Hall episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we should. But you and I haven't spoken about the new series, and I don't know if you've seen it, uh, all of it. But am I the only person that thought the shots that were... Did you see the documentary? No. Oh, man. The documentary is incredible. It's a two is it on Netflix? It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, I'm in. It's, uh, it's two parts, and... Between the obviously the jokes in the first episode, fine, joking about 
brain candy. But the, you know, it was a, it was an insane production and lots of bad things happened. Uh, but um, the way it's talked about, it just gets no love. And it's like, I know it didn't do well, but I think everybody, if anybody loves Kids in the Hall, they love that movie. There's, there's some funny parts in it. And I, it's way better than Run, Run, You Run. Oh, but it's, God, yeah. Oh, God, it's, yeah. It still wasn't the best, uh, you know, it still wasn't the best. No, but it's got, for a thing that blends actual, some of the actual characters from the show. Oh, yeah. With, with, a, with a narrative. And, you know, subject matter was a little ahead of its time. What, what uh, I thought was really funny was um, the theater I saw, like I, when that came out, I lived downtown Toronto. And um, I'm pretty sure while I was watching it, they went by the theater I was in, in the uh, movie. So uh, I always kind of loved that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I watched it uh, not long ago, maybe six, eight months ago before the show, the new show was going to come on. And, and Death Comes to Town, too. I think Death Comes to Town is fantastic. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Never really gets talked about. But uh, we, we should definitely do a Kids in the Hall episode. Oh, sure. That. Yeah, we're kind of doing good. one now. Yeah, well, um, you got to finish the new show, and then yes, um, I do, I do. There's I, some I, great, great stuff in the new series. I uh, I liked what I saw thus far, but I am like that. I just kind of drop things for a while. Uh, we should probably do our show. We uh, should. <laughs> What's our subject matter? I've uh, it is uh, your choice this week, and it's one that I sure as heck uh, agree with, and that is to talk about Canada's own Martin Short. Let me tell you something. I'm going to kick this off by saying, has anybody out there ever met someone that has said, oh, you know who I can't stand? Martin Short. I'm sure they exist, but I don't want to know them. I don't want to know them, but I don't think anybody in our circle or that digs the stuff, we, no one has ever said, there's nothing to hate, first of all. There's yeah. nothing, he's never been so ubiquitous that, you know, you know, you just hate that one thing that he does. That's all he did for 40 years. Um, I was driving around uh, L.A., and there are these billboards up for uh, only murders, uh, the only murders in the building or whatever it's called, uh, yeah. Hulu, which I am a couple episodes behind with the new series. Um, but they're specific to him. You know, they have all those for your consideration billboards that hit for movies and for TV shows and stuff. And I don't I think he was nominated or it's either for your consideration or it's X number of nominations, Emmy nominations, including you know, best actor or best supporting actor in a comedy series or something. And it's just him, his face kind of peeking out a corner. And I was, as I drove past it, I just, it just made me feel good. It just made me go, mm. we're still living in this world that Martin Short is in and he's still wonderful. And what a career he's had. Oh, absolutely. You know, we should talk about it. And, th and that's kind of the, the impetus of, of starting yeah, to talk. Yeah, and about I'm it. actually, this is one I actually know a lot about because, you know, he's connected to, Actually, first of all, I just want to point out, like, I, as a kid, gravitated to him immediately. Um, you know, yeah. I think I think I actually knew him from television very early on. And, of course, SCTV was massive. And then I followed him through the 80s. If he was in it, I wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. And I, I've never not been a fan. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I still watch stuff with him in it. My wife likes him. And, you know, sometimes um, my wife doesn't like people I find funny, but you know, he's in so much stuff. I was it's... trying to figure out, there was a show in the U.S. called I'm a Big Girl Now. I was just going to talk about that. I liked that show. Okay, he was in that, that was a big time with Danny Thomas. Danny Thomas and Diana Canova. And I'm not going to go into any more 
material about Danny Thomas. I don't think this is the show for it, but I'm just going to say. No, that's more of a Gilbert Gottfried. He behaved himself throughout the show. Um, and is it Diana Canova was the lead? I, Diana, Diana I think that's her name. And so Martin Short was in the cast. And I remember the opening credits with him doing a goofy thing or mugging yeah. or something. But I was trying to figure out, I think I would have seen him on SCTV before I saw this sitcom. But I can't pinpoint it. I can't remember. Because I think the sitcom, sitcom had to be like 80, 81. 80, 81. But SCTV, he actually, after I'm a big girl now, um, dried up he he did end up um going to sctv around 82 i think so the show so he would have been on he would have been on uh i'm big girl now before he got to yeah SCTV. it was 1980 okay. and and you know i saw him in commercials and and things like that when i was a kid um sometimes not knowing it was him until years later but he has a really neat um beginning he he comes from a very special cast of godspell in yeah, Toronto with Gilda, with, Gilda, with Gilda Victor Garber, um, Eugene Levy, Dave Thomas, and Andrea Martin, and Paul Schaefer. Right. So every right. single person in that group grew to be successful. And um, he did not go on SCTV right away. He went to the States. Um, and then he, you know, he found his, tried to find a success with I'm a Big Girl Now which um, I liked, but I'm glad that he um, he kind of went to SCTV by 82. And I think that was when, I can never remember who left at that time, but he came at a really good point. Like either Rick Moranis had left or... Um, uh, Maybe it was, it might have been Moranis. Yeah, it was Moranis, Dave Thomas, and Catherine O'Hara left, leaving okay. this huge, you know, crater. And in walks Martin Short. And I can remember the first time I ever saw Martin Short on SCTV. It was a sunrise semester with Ed Grimley. And he's teaching you <laughs> snake charming. And I was like, yeah, this guy's great. You know, <laughs> he, 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 uh, he, it's okay. Back to the, just real quick though, just made me think of something. Back to the, I'm a big girl now. That is a prime example of certainly my childhood, and I'll bet a lot of people's of we watched everything like there's no reason for me to have watched that sitcom there's i am shocked that interest that me i, th I but i but i, I watched it because you. there was there was you know like i would i would i never would have sat down to watch the waltons i would have found something to do but for the most part if you're <laughs> watching a sitcom if you're watching a sitcom that you dig and then the next one you don't or you don't really know but the, in the next, you know, half hour later is, I don't know, uh, the, the Fall Guy, whatever the hell it might be. Yeah, I was going to say Fall Guy, too. You're going to sit there and go, okay, I'll sit through this this other half hour and watch the commercials to get to the show. But I watched just about every episode of that show. Me, too. And I think it's, it started to become for him. Like, I, I knew he was funny and goofy in it. Well, yeah, you weren't, you weren't going for the little girl who was... It wasn't know. the little girl, the mom and little girl drama, the divorce mom, whatever, and the Danny Thomas with her his daughter thing. Like, why would I watch this show? But, yeah. you know, we, we watched everything. We freaking watched everything. Um, I, I'm so, yeah. shocked, though, that I would, thought I was going to say, I'm a big girl now, and you go, what was that? That So it surprises me we latchkey children both watched that show. Yeah, yeah, what saw everything.
But in the in the SCTV thing, so for in you know in America, it was on like I want to say Saturday nights. After I think it was SNL. Friday night. I think it was, was Friday, it Friday night. night? Yeah. Okay, so it was Friday night, but it was late. Like yeah. it was on. I think it was on like midnight in the Twin Cities. Twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. Okay, there you go. But I watched it as a kid, and I think about this like. I know people that have like 11 year old kids or, you know, whatever, like, would your kid be up on a Friday night at 1230 at night watching a sketch show, you know, and again, divorced parent, you know, I'm, it's just, you know, I'm on my own kind of doing my own thing. No one's around, but, but you know, when I think of Letterman or these kind of things, like I stayed up late to watch these things as a kid, you know, and SCTV was just, it was never, you know, so offensive that a kid couldn't watch it, but it was, definitely like there's a lot of stuff that you necessarily wouldn't have gotten as a kid and the grimly thing grimly and so wait a minute so when did when were the mckenzie brothers because strange brew was 83 but when did they sort of blow up was it 80 81 it's about 81 yeah okay so i but i watched them like i watched the show when they were on yeah, because yeah, i yeah. went out to see strange brew so i must have been watching this from from 1980 forward or whenever it was yeah i believe it um it came to the SCTV 90 came in 81, May of 81. So uh, that's generally when America really got turned on to it. I, it was okay. syndicated uh, in the United States in little half an hours, mm -hmm. but it never had the kind of, um, you know, the kind of crazy um, popularity it did until the early 80s when it hit the United States. It, it was really hit or miss in Canada like they do. You know, like I, I think I was six when the show came on the air, and then the second season came on when you know a couple years later, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, so that and 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 that to that to what you're saying about how it started to sort of click. I don't know what the rest of the country was like. I just know that in Minnesota, there was something about Bob and Doug besides oh yeah the funniness, but it was like they looked like a couple of guys in the winter in Minnesota, you know, wearing parkas and toques and everything like that's that's how everybody looked you know five months out of the year and the accents weren't that far off so it really connected and then the, the local rock station just kept playing take off the al that album came out in 82 was it 82 yeah. that became like a rock and roll a rock and roll station song and so you know these, were these little kids like primed for strange brew to come out <laughs> Which well, so no one weird. saw it <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah. I think I saw it like three times I in did. the theater. Yeah. Yeah, and because it had Ming the Merciless in it. Um, I actually okay. bought the uh, the action figures the other day at a flea market, too. Oh, see, I had those at one time along with... Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in the show, uh, Plastic Soul, that I've said, now, I used to have this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, back when I had that. Um, so, so Ed Grimley is the big kind of breakout character on on SCTV with him. But he did, I think he started the lawyer on that. Did he not start yeah, the Nathan lawyer? Yeah, Nathan Thurm started on that. I think it got more popular on SC, or Saturday Night Live, where it got, you know, better use in those Christopher Guest shorts. That so they would do. Yeah, oh yeah, Nathan Thurm's amazing. And I think of so him brilliant. a lot of the time when you see a politician avoiding questions and stuff, because it, it's just a brilliant character. I also, I love Jackie Rogers Jr. Oh. Um, it's so weird and complicated, so weird. and there's this weird backstory that makes you know, 
and it's it's such it's got such a universe and mythos to it you know like that's one of the nice things about when you know sctv had like a whole universe to it it was like a springfield of weird shit and it, every his characters just felt like they'd always been there you know and they were uh, you're right they were very fully formed yeah he really was very assured in what he was doing um and he did he he did jerry right did he do jerry lewis he did his jerry and of course he did that igbar bergman's scene from an idiot's marriage starring jerry lewis yeah. you ever seen that sketch <laughs> yeah see that right there is a yeah. perfect example of the madness of sctv well my favorite part of that is you know she says my lawyer will contact you his name is sven gunderson and he goes slangoyven like yeah <laughs> you know there was a clip that that went around the other day on on some twitter account i follow or something and it was the rick moranis as as uh uh michael mcdonald mm. you know, driving up to studios such a long way to go <laughs> such a long way to go but that was that was such a insane I, I love that they would go to those places that that I don't think SNL ever got as sharp when they would do stuff like that or like the <laughs> played against Sam with Bob Hope and Woody Allen and you know all, all that stuff they just were brilliant at that and and short just fit right in so so grimly uh Ed Thur Thurman Thurman is it what was the lawyer's name Nathan Thurman Nathan Thurman those are those are original Therm, so Therm, sorry. Therm. Yeah. So those were original. He did Jerry. He did Jackie. Ro Jackie. Jackie Robbins Jr. Jackie Robbins Jr. Jackie Rogers Jr. Jackie Rogers Jr. Now that's an original. I love Irving Cohen too. Which one you was Irving Cohen? Irving Cohen was this weird uh, old uh, songwriter that With would come the on one like and the two yeah yeah and, he, and yes. he was old and he didn't give a fuck and when he, we did the song yeah like he took every word and milked it and he had the wet cigar and everything yeah he was usually yes. used for um like like he just didn't he, he had no filter anymore and, and there's that um <laughs> that that horrible and this is what sctv was amazing at is cringe they they didn't mind bombing you know to make a point and and that you ever see that episode where william b williams leaves sammy maudlin and gets his own talk show it, and yeah it's, it's horrible and horrible. and, and horrible. irving cohen is the guest and <laughs> he's just being like you know he's just being horrible to him like you know <laughs> but he's, yeah he does that song william b william b whatever the hell you and then he just basically says you know what you, you're not good at this you should go back to sammy and it's so mean you know? it, it was but that i remember as a little kid yeah loving that show but when the sammy maudlin bit would come on that it would it would make me uncomfortable mm, like mm. i watched it but I didn't. I don't think even as a, as a as a child you fully understand why you're cringing. Yeah. But it did that thing to you because you you had enough perception at the bullshit, the show busy bullshitness of you know Burt Reynolds coming on Johnny Carson. <laughs> like yeah. Well, did all... you ever know the story behind that? About the, the, the where Sammy that came Maudlin? from the Sammy Maudlin show. Yeah. I don't it's, think so. it's a no. parody. I read. I I've read every book on SCTV out there. Okay, it, it's a parody. I guess at one time in the 1970s, and I do not recall this obviously. Sammy Davis Jr. had a talk show, and 
it was the fluffiest, terriblest thing ever, apparently. And um, it, I guess Joe Flaherty saw that and he just said, this is just disgusting. And so that's why it's called the Sammy Maudlin show. And that's why he's got, you know, like he's Sammy. Oh, oh. oh it's, wow. It's okay. a Sammy Davis Jr. parody. I don't think, you know, he's really trying, but it's that whole insincerity. I love you, man. Just you the, know it's what I mean? the, the laughing, like the, the exaggerated, yeah. the exaggerated yeah. laughter that would, that would immediately turn into, but seriously, I want to say something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I, I got to say, and just, and you're like, I'm a little kid going, oh my gosh, this is so hard to watch. But we didn't really know why. You didn't really yeah. understand why it was making you uncomfortable. No, I, I agree with you. That one went over my head a lot as a kid. I knew I got some of it, but I didn't quite understand where they were going. Like, why are these people so loud and so insincere? And... <laughs> stomping the floor like Sammy would laugh, and he'd just he'd yeah, yeah. He'd so always hard. have to slap. Yeah, stomping and, the floor, and yeah. Apparently, that was, and I think a lot of their greatest sketches came out of them having to live in the same hotel room like when they were working and stuff mm -hmm. um because uh, schmengis came out of eugene and john candy watching or eugene levy and john candy watching um polka time in edmonton i think it was out of <laughs> i think the show was actually out of minnesota if i'm not mistaken it was like okay. this show that was syndicated on the pbs of minnesota and it sounds like something we had and, yeah. and they were killing themselves laughing at it and they started they said that they were calling each other schmengi before <laughs> before and then i guess john candy said you know who's a schmengi that guy's a schmengi <laughs> and that's where that so like all that stuff but yeah um apparently joe flaherty and and a bunch of them were watching the sammy davis jr talk show and it was you know it's like the new guard taking a piss out of the old guy. Right, right, right. They're right. just mocking the insincerity and the ass kissing and, and yeah. So and that the, was the, the um the uh sorry, but back to the um the Schmangy thing is an example of like it's so big and it's they could go from big and broad and ridiculous to with, minuscule with and weird. To minuscule and weird and cringy. And that's the, what made the so, Schmengi's Christmas so special makes me laugh because um you know, half of my family was an immigrant family when I was a kid. Mm. And you did do weird things. Like leaving you know, the shoes. Yeah, what no, that but they're, they're, it's exaggerated on that. <laughs> no, he has to wear my shoes. No, that he has is, to wear my shoes. That makes me laugh so hard because that is like what kids I knew thought yeah. I did at Christmas, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah. So, um, <laughs> like, you know, I, I won't get into it, but you know, I, there's some weird Germans do weird stuff at Christmas. I love it; it's childhood. But um, it just always kind of made me laugh when they when they did that episode and they went there. That is not a big laugh, but it's a big laugh for me. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I just I, that hits me in a that hits me at home. So I love that. Um, huge huge fan of that. Um, but Short also had another character, and I cannot remember his name, but he was. Um, a businessman um trapco presents the arts and stuff like that um mm. it, it, he's a corrupt businessman and the thing that always kills me about that one is um it's very similar to the boss character that dave foley picks up later on on kids in the hall you know that dan boss you know that guy 
almost the exact same character, and I've always kind of thought they were uh, th that may have been inspired by Short's character. Mm -hmm. um, but I cannot think. I don't of the think name I remember this guy. Who this is? Yeah, there was a couple episodes with him. One where he's taking bribes, um, which is really funny because he he clearly doctors the footage, and um, <laughs> and then uh, the other one is um, one where he um, he runs a he he's, he's a he's an executive of a company called Scrapco or something, and he's running mm -hmm. a show about the arts, you know, artisans and their arts. Mm -hmm. Sponsored by Scrapco, and you you get the joke. Like uh, this is this is literally art meets commerce, mm -hmm. right? And you have this um, suit who you know th has three martini three martini lunches, and he's on the golf course by three, talking to artists. And he has absolutely no clue uh, <laughs> how to speak to them or what they do, and he's constantly like um, horking, you know. Bleh! You know, and it's just just the worst. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's it's absolutely hysterical, and um, it's it, it it's also amazing, um, amazing parody for the time. You know, it really is like a real scathing concept of you know the suits versus the artisans. What was, but when did he go to SNL? So he was there. He was short. Was he was with, he was SCTV, I think, for right? two years, not to the end. Oh, you know, maybe he did stick around to the very end because um, I get my times mixed up because I saw some of the, the later stuff. Yeah, I think he was in the very, he may not have been in the very last season of Second City, um, but he wasn't because it went to Showtime after it left NBC. And I believe he's in a lot of the Showtime episodes, but I don't think he's in all of them. So he may have, he may have left at some point. Okay. And um, he, he, yeah, you know what? He left because he also, I think, leaves during the days of the week. But um, yeah, he went to the last non-Lauren uh, Michaels season of Saturday Night Live in 84. And it was like this pinch hitter season for the show and i i of course i love that season because it's amazing because it's full of like it's got martin short uh michael mckean um uh, uh christopher guest uh i think that's a billy crystal season um and uh a guy i really liked oh my god uh help me out here um tony rosato oh is that the no it wasn't tony rosato he he did not last for oh wait long. wait sorry 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 you're talking snl yeah um oh yeah guest crystal short um was was uh was Shearer on camera for that or was yeah, that I, it, that was sure yeah sure was there but i'm thinking of um uh he's still big in england um i really like this rich, oh, hall. rich rich hall yeah that was his, that was when he was on yeah so I what? thought that was a gangbuster season, and that was I, that is my ninth grade experience that that season. And um, by this time, I'm a massive, you know, uh, short fan, and I thought it was great to see him bring his characters. I think he brought them all back for that season. I know Grimley yeah, appeared. I always, always kind of wondered about that. You know what I mean? I always kind of wondered if, um, 
you know, as far as, you know, like SNL with Lauren Michaels and everything, it's like you create a character, even if, even if you created it before the show, you bring it to the show and it's on air now. It's like, you can't really do anything with it without Lauren Michaels being involved. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got to make a movie. Right. The characters he created on SCTV, it's interesting that they're, they weren't like intellectual property of, you know, it doesn't, it does, I, Andrew Alexander, I don't think it, they, any of them were because a lot of them returned. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially well, did, Bob and Doug. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so, so that would, so that was 86. No, that wasn't 86. 84, 84, 85. 84, 85. Was it one season? It was one single glorious season. Um, nobody wore out their welcome. And, you know, I mean, I, although I got to admit that whole, um, you look marvelous thing. Um, oh yeah, well, got really tiresome by the end of that year. You know what's interesting? This he came up the other day in a conversation with somebody, Billy Cruz, and this person I was talking to was just ranting about it. Like, Billy, I can't. They're always standing again. But that he mentioned the Fernando Lamas thing, and I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody take him to task for doing Sammy on on SNL. Yeah, I mean, think about. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard somebody mention. Oh, don't forget. Also, for going backwards, yeah. really critical did Sammy Davis Jr. on that show, and it was, you know, like I just, I always forget that. Like, oh yeah, that was not that long ago, and I've never heard anybody sort of uh, take him to task for it. I'm not saying they should, or I'm not saying either way, but like no one, like everyone, kind of forgot that he did this impression of Sammy Davis Jr. And I think Tina Turner. Well, as well, I think Christopher in the music guessed. video. Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal once played old baseball players in a short film. Where I, I remember that was. too. I yeah, that, there's one. Oh God, I remember that. That God's so weird. I never would have thought of that again if you hadn't brought it up. I remember. Yeah, that, they, that short films in that season were really interesting. Um, um, but there's one other little thing that that is an offshoot of all of this. That is a mini sort of SCTV reunion that happens after SNL. Yeah. That I happen to adore. Me too. Which is the Saturday morning cartoon, The Completely Mental Misadventures of Ed Grimley. Yeah, it, it definitely was inspired by Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that this was by no means a copy or a knockoff. It was its own thing and it was really quite good. Really good. He was... Yeah. First off, it's all their voices. It's him, Dave Thomas, Catherine O'Hara, I believe, is in Jonathan it. Jonathan well. Winters was on it. Jonathan Winters was on it. And then Joe there was live, live action portions as well with Joe Flaherty. That were funny as hell. Doing Count Floyd on a kid's yeah, cartoon. Yeah. yeah. He, I just remember the first one they showed. He's telling the kids a story and it's animated. And then the kids are like, this is Scooby Doo. And you look oh, at the, the animated drawings, <laughs> and it's very clearly the cast of Scooby Doo and Confluence. Okay, I stole it, you know. And it just, God, that is so SCTV. That's you know? such a that's a, such a, another great character that's so big and broad, but oh, it's also God, perfect. Boy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous, and it's perfect at the same time. You know, I, I can I, I I'm going to be setting up at. Uh, Monster Bash in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania this October. And the two guests are Joe Flaherty and Xandor Vorkov, who plays Dracula in Dracula versus Frankenstein, uh, one of my favorites. 
I'm not the guy to do this, but whatever photo package, whatever, you know, have dinner with, I'm in. I want it you, all. You, you, got, yeah. you had me at Joe Flaherty. I don't really, I don't yeah. think I know who the other guy is, but you got to yeah. do that. Yeah, do yeah, that. yeah. I got to make it rain in there. I need all the things. And, so, um, so, but that was a, that was almost like a little mini SCTV kind of sketch show. I mean, it was about Ed Grimley. Yeah. And of course, if you, you're probably not going to enjoy it if you're you're the insane person that doesn't find Ed Grimley enjoyable. But yeah. it and you're be, also wrong. And you're also wrong. But it's Martin Short doing Ed Grimley in this cartoon, and it's just the voice and the the silliness. And um, there were some other kind of prominent names involved with the writing and stuff too. And I I always forget, but it was, you know, like like these, you know, they got some really good talent to to do this thing. And it was one of those kids shows. You know, remember it was around the time of. Um, the Ernest. Did you ever see any of the Ernest Saturday morning show? No, I like. I think I had to tape Ed Grimley because what was that like eighty eight? And I, I had to be. I think I had to be in a kitchen on Saturday mornings by six thirty because I was working in a well, I was working at a restaurant. Um, yeah. So I I missed any cartoon I didn't tape. Uh, but Ed I Grimley think think, was yeah. was was one of those ones like yeah no there's no way I'm, I'm I I don't think I've seen them all, but um, yeah I, I had a tape of those back in back in high school. Yeah, it um, the 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 Ernest show was you know we're at a certain age now watching these things still you know as teens or whatever but it was you could tell when something was smarter than the average. Oh, the Ernest you know, show was clever. The Ernest show was really clever. It was really mm -hmm. smart and kind of subversive and weird. Um, so you had Pee Wee's Playhouse and then the Ernest thing. And I think Ernest and and uh, Grimley were the same year, maybe the same. I don't think they, I think maybe they were each like one season, maybe. Yeah, they were. Like, Warner Brothers put out, or what do they call it? Warner, is it like Warner Direct? Warner, what was it called when they burned the DVD for you? Warner kind of Archive? I, I think they put it, it out. Yeah, I have oh a, yeah. Yeah, and they, they put it out. So I, it's the only time I'd, I'd seen it in all those years. But it's it's great, and there's a doll which I could never find because I I think at that point I had the talking peewee doll, oh yeah, from Peewee's Playhouse. But there's an Ed Grimley one that I could never find, and I bet now it's worth a fortune. But it was a I remember you know, a, it. Yeah. a pull string doll with a plastic head and like plastic arms and you know the belt up to up to his chest. But I, I wish um, there was a Count Floyd as well. But he he does all that, and then he sort of he makes his way into movies with I think the the most prominent uh, certainly in that period was Three Amigos you're with Steve Martin, me. Chevy Chase. Are yeah. you going to say you're a huge fan of Three Fugitives? No, I've never seen Three Amigos. I, once again, <laughs> once know. again, I know, I know, I know, I know. I have a list a mile long of the days and nights of, of Molly Dodd. And the things that don't make sense. It's like yeah. a concept album. I, I don't know how. I was thinking about that today, and I don't know. I don't know. You could not have. I, I understand not catching it in the theater. I really. I, I was not. I was pumped to see. You were a busy man, but the fact it that was nineteen eighty-six. No, I wasn't. The fact that somehow you've gotten so busy in the last thirty odd years that you've never been able to see it. That's the part that I have. That I struggle with. Yeah, that's the part uh, that I, I, don't, I have I have no excuse and I've, you have no excuse. I've actually I no... knew it, it bombed when it came out and then but I actually heard it's quite good. Um, and I and I like 
I'm also a huge fan of Chevy Chase and a huge fan of Steve Martin. So none of this makes any sense whatsoever. So as long as we're in agreement that with everything you said, if this were a court case, there is no defense. It doesn't make any sense. It makes total sense why you couldn't have caught it at the time for whatever reason. Oh, it came and went. But in the decades since, on any format (laughs) that you haven't come across it, that you haven't found 90 minutes to put aside. But so he does, so he does that. It doesn't do well, but then he starts... I think the Three Fugitives movie might have been in the '80s. The one with him. It was yeah. A, well, the next Freeman. the next one he did also French didn't film. do well, and I did see it in the theater. Thank you very little. Was Inner Space? Inner Space that did did that do well? Was no. that a hit? Oh no! Oh. It should have been. It's a good film. It's a, another Joe Dante. Uh, another Joe Dante joint. Mm-hmm. If you will. Um, I don't know if i saw it in the theater but i know i saw it right when it came on to vhs but i don't think i saw it in the theater but short's wonderful in it yeah because of all the physical comedy and you know you know what drives me nuts about that though is um i saw it in the theater loved it probably rented it and watched it haven't thought of it since um i don't know why i've never revisited it it's a you know, well, listen, let's go back to Three Amigos, which you can't really discuss, obviously. But it's odd that it, I remember when it got to like the, let's see, 86 to 90, 90, maybe it was the 20th anniversary. So 2006, 2007, something like that, whenever it came out, 87, it came out maybe. Yeah. And I think Empire Magazine did a tribute and, you know, did, a, uh, I think, a photo shoot maybe with the three of them and interviewed uh landis uh all three of them and um randy newman who did the songs and played the voice of the well you can't even tell you what he played the voice of because you haven't seen it but um but something started to happen about that time where people started digging it up as this forgotten gem now i there are parts of it that are very funny but it's never one of those things that i think I, i i maybe i've seen it once since the theater and it's got really funny stuff in it, but I I'm a little puzzled by why it's um, why it's so beloved. But it, it has taken on another life. Um, it could just be that it's the the pairing of those three, and it's the, you know now you've got them t- you know he, he and um, and Steve Martin together oh, again. Oh yeah, I never thought of that. Show, yeah, yeah, that, that which makes is more great. Sense. And then they did the stage show and everything. Well, we'll get to that. But um, okay, so he does Inner Space, which doesn't do well. What does he, he do after? Inter- Cross My Heart, which is a film that I have not seen, but I considered seeing as a teenager for two reasons. One, I like Martin Short. One, um, Annette O'Toole. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a kind of a standard romance? It was a romantic comedy. Yeah, I don't okay. think it did all that well. It was a Lawrence Kasdan film. Um, oh, I love Kasdan. Kasdan, and, I don't know if you've seen it yet or if you ever care, but the Disney Plus... Uh, light and magic series six-part light and magic series about the, the early days of industrial light and magic up to you know you know up to a certain point but um lawrence kasdan directed it and did all the interviews hmm. i had no idea it was even happening and i plowed through it but um love lawrence kasdan he is the unsung hero of the star wars franchise and um and obviously a brilliant uh, writer. Yeah. Um, I totally, maybe I did see that then because of him. I mean, I, I might have, maybe would have rented it, but I certainly wouldn't have gone to the theater. Oh gosh, uh, no. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't even do yeah. that. But I, I do, uh, I think that's the poster I fell in love with Annette O'Toole with. Um, she's very pretty. She's and very then, pretty. 
And then there's three fugitives with him and Nick Nolte. Um, I have not seen this. I have no. seen this, and it's a, I, th I think it's a remake of a French film. Ah, yes. Which is called uh, uh, We Win Three Fugitives. Trois fugitives, Trois. Three times. No, I, I think, however you say it in France, um, it's a uh, it's a remake, and it's got some funny stuff in it. It's he's great. Les it's, fugitives. Um, les les fugitives. Um, he's great in it. It's got some heartwarming stuff because of the kid. The kids, I forget if it's that one kid that was in. Oh no, maybe it was some. Oh, I know, it was a little girl that didn't talk. Because he, he was a widower, and the little girl stopped talking once the mother died or something. And I don't know if this other girl ever did anything again, but she was adorable. But but you know, big gruff Nick Nolte kind of thing. It was just a you just knew this thing wasn't going to make money, kind of. But it has some funny moments in it. But I would I again, it would have been something I rented uh, after the fact. So that's got to be what 80, 87? or eighty nine, and then and he also did a movie that I've seen a dozen times, and I he's he steals the show in his scenes. Have you ever seen the Big Picture? Yes, that's Christopher Guest. Christopher yeah, directed film, a a very underrated uh, film about the industry. Yeah, uh, Kevin Bacon, Christopher Guest directed it. Martin Short, uh, John Cleese has a a cameo in it who's this studio guy that that is the guy that kevin bacon pitches the thing to and he goes yeah but what if we did this who's the guy who's the other guy is it michael Mc oh michael mccann's in it michael mccann um who's the studio guy is it like Kiefer sutherland or someone like that i or? can't remember um it's a great i know cast. you're talking about yeah it's a great cast and it's you know another scathing parody of um hollywood yeah yeah, and uh, and yeah. and Short's character, I think he's uh, Kevin Bacon's agent, and he's full of shit, and he's he's the best. Um, yeah, well, the he, scene he, he's sitting at a restaurant and he's pretending yes. that some of the actors are talking to him or waving at him, and they're not. And he he said something. He says something while he's talking to Kevin Bacon. He goes, "Oh, you, I'm not talking to you." And it's just like, oh, this he's, is so cringe. It's very camp. Yeah. But he, he riffed on it. it. Maybe it was a TV spot or something. You remember there was, it was him and someone else, like Christopher Guest, like they were a couple of agents or something, and they were very campy. And um, that's really ringing a bell. But, but now I'm remembering that because he's in like two or three scenes, but he just takes the camp up. Yeah, he, and, he, you just reminded me of Christopher Guest and him do that wonderful male synchronized swimming. Oh my God! Short on SNL and and I'm not, they, strong, they, I'm not a very strong swimmer. Yeah, and they're trying to get male synchronized swimming into the Olympics, and Christopher Guest's character wears like a ton of rouge, <laughs> and Martin Short's guy can't swim. It is, you know, okay, it's so, wait, so good. Would pause on that for a second, okay? Because I think we talked about this a while ago. I think it was you that I talked to about this. Do you remember when David Letterman would do those film festivals? Yeah. And he would get people like Michael Keaton and Michael J. Fox and, you know, Harry Shearer or whoever to, you know, it was like a summer, uh, it was a summer special they would do like on a Saturday night. And they gave them a budget and they went, you know, they went off and wrote and directed their own scripts. And then they'd show them on the special that Letterman would do. And there's one, I forget what year, but it's, it's post Spinal Tap. Uh, but it's uh, Harry Shearer, I think with Christopher Guest 
and they're doing a musical about uh, nuclear weapons or something, or like uh, you know some some uh, U.S. company that's got the best weapons or something, and they're turning it into a music as if you'd go to like a trade show and have a a musical thing, enter entertainment. And in this thing, it's um, I almost want to say Annette O'Toole, but it's not Annette O'Toole. No, I can't think of who the who the women woman is, but it's Michael McKeon, uh, Christopher Guest, uh, uh, Harry Shearer and maybe someone else, but Christopher Guest is doing that character. And it's the precursor, I think, to, what's his name, Corky St. Clair. Is it Corky St. Clair from Waiting for Guffman? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, and I don't know if it starts in that this little, you know, Letterman, you know, the Christopher Guest film they did for the Letterman thing, yeah. or if it was the SNL thing, but it's, it's that same sort of, hey, no, don't, you're not hey you i know you you're not mad at him oh just hey that, you yeah corky st Clair first appears you just he is their trainer it's harry Shearer as the brother in the um as the brother in the um uh the synchronized swimming one yes it's christopher harry guest is corky teaching them how to dance He's yes like, we're gonna do the mirror and you're not hey, angry you. with him yeah hey, you i know you yeah no 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 you're not you're, you're not angry <laughs> you know and i'm and between that and this letterman short you know because which i had i hadn't seen the letterman thing for since it aired but i found that some of these on youtube and i was like oh my god that's that's spinal tap right there that's you know yeah all of them are there and it's also like riffing on what was to come with the christopher guest films with the with the the lineup that he that he had of people and what they were doing it's a really cool little little seed that that you know mm -hmm. but i think the corky thing came out of those characters like that sort of you know just sort of i might you know he's got a wife and kids and he's just sort of talks like everything is you know and i think it built from from those characters that he would do absolutely i um it, it's amazing to see the genesis of this stuff <laughs> and what was the song when they were doing it was like dun, 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 oh yeah dun, dun. Oh yeah, I was like, what, like, what was the song? Like, it, it, I know exactly the song, but I can't think of it. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's very, Fra from... very Frank Stallone. Yes, um, yes, yes. It's very Frank Stallone. So then he was in a film called Pure Luck, where he is paired. I find that Martin Short went through this kind of journeyman period trying to find his way. This Pure Luck is another remake of a French film. Yes. And it is Danny, him and Danny, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Which, yeah. Well, I feel like he also had that, he had that tricky thing, you know, like like a Dan Aykroyd kind of. Murray, Bill Murray is Bill Murray. You know, you're kind of going to get Bill Murray uh, a variation of in most of the stuff that he did. But Aykroyd did so many characters on SNL. Mm. And like Chevy Chase was always kind of Chevy Chase. And so he was, then he became, oh, he's a good looking guy too. Like then he, he thought he was going to be this matinee idol kind of thing after one season, which is the best thing that ever happened to John Belushi was once Chevy Chase left. But, um, but some of these guys like a Phil Hartman, we, we've talked about him too, where they're so good at the character stuff that you, you're not sure what to put them in. You know, are they going to be a character in a, in a movie or are they going to be them, you know, more straight, but comedic. And so like the inner space thing served him well with all the slapstick and stuff um the the uh three amigos he's just kind of this gentle soul but mm -hmm. i think it's probably tough for him to find things that would really showcase his chops you know his talent 
Mm, I agree. Uh, and, and, you know, even Candy struggled with that. Yeah. In Hollywood, yeah. you know, he, he, you know, I think, I think his greatest film personally is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but, oh. uh, or only The Lonely, where you could see that he had uh, range. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he made a lot of junk. Well, short comes, that range, know. short does come into it. It does mm. start to happen in a couple of shows, mainly TV shows, where somebody's going, hey, let, let him do something different. But mm. I think at that, at that time with movies, it was just, is he going to be silly? Is he going to be, like, it was hard to figure out what to, what to sort of do with him. Yeah. And I've seen that movie, the Pure Luck movie. Mm. I didn't see it in the theater. I, I've seen the trailer. But I've seen um, it at some point. And I didn't ever want to see it. Um, I've also never seen Father of the Bride. But he oh. steals the scene in that. He steals uh, the scene. He, yeah, they brought him yeah. back for the sequel, too. He's, yeah. yeah. He's the funniest. He's the funniest thing in it, but sadly, that's not. That's not saying a lot. I think this is funny how much of uh, the actors' catalog I haven't seen because I don't want to, <laughs> and I, I adore right. this guy. You adore, um, him, but, you adore him, but up to a point. <laughs> up to a well, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to shell out my seven bucks for anything. Um, and then he did Captain Ron, which is another film that uh, <sighs> I have never seen. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, but that's another one that you're like, really? Like Captain Ron, like uh, he's a family man, wife and like teenage daughter. And I think a son, I think it's like that kind of lineup. And, you know, Kurt Russell is this hunky idiot of a, of a guy they hire and everything goes wrong. It's like, just it was it, there was this slew of stuff in the late 80s and early 90s where you'd see these trailers and just go was this just something that was sitting around was it were they obligated to make this who who thought this was going to you know i read it i, I was flipping around the other day and i saw uh you know in streaming a movie that i've never seen but i remember when it came out as dennis quaid deborah winger and i think arliss howard and it's called Wilder Napalm. Oh, yeah. And it's about two. And if you tell me that you've seen Wilder Napalm and you haven't seen Three Amigos, there's going to be a, a showdown, my friend, in the words of ELO. Um, Wait a minute. Fifth. Wilder Napalm, the description of the movie is something like, you know, Dennis Quaid and so-and-so are brothers that are both in love with the same woman, woman, but they also have a secret. Like, they can start fires with their mind. Yes. It. Okay, um, you've seen Wilder Napalm, but you haven't seen Three Amigos. That's correct. I can't even understand what situation you'd find yourself in. Oh, I'm pretty sure Wilder, Wilder Napalm, Napalm was a I've stumbled home from the bar, um, but I don't <laughs> feel like going to bed. I'm going to have a bottle of water. What's on television? This okay. is good. It better um, be. Yeah. It better that better be the only, that's literally the only, or, or, or you were kidnapped some weekend and they clockwork orange your eyes open and tied you to a chair and made you watch Wilder Napalm are literally the only two excuses that you've seen that, but you haven't seen Three Amigos. Why do I get the feeling that if you were the skipper and I was Gilligan, you'd be hitting me with your hat right I w I'd be doing that thing with my hands, like, <laughs> you know what he'd do, his hands out in front of him, like, oh, yeah, getting... Putting your shoulders up. You know, I, just to get to an aside and make a tasteless joke, because this was funny. Um, I was joking with my wife how we wanted to do the, do the new bedroom. 
And I said, I just want two hammocks. You know, one mine will be above yours. And uh, she just kind of said, we're not doing the Gilligan's Island. And I said, you know, Gilligan probably ate a lot of skipper farts over the course of those years. <laughs> and that's when you know you're with the right person. That's right. That's right. She did not laugh. Um, you can share so the, for that. the gallows humor of farting in the bedroom. That's when you know. Ta-da. There's a keeper. Uh, what? Yeah, again, what other podcast would go from Wilder Napalm to Skipper Fart Jokes? About, on a Gilligan show. Where so Wilder Martin, Martin well, Sharp was in neither of those things. My point of bringing up that particular film, Wilder Napalm, which you could have knocked me down with a feather that I would have thought you even knew what this movie was, because I've never seen it, and I've seen every movie ever made, <laughs> it was it's the kind of thing that I read the description and went, what 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 was it? What about this story was attracting yeah. people to it? Who had an uncle that the just thought, wanted to lose money in a tax thing? And, and who got attached first? Yeah. Did Deborah Winger get attached to it first? And then Quaid kind of went, oh, well, if Deborah's doing it, I'm in. Or, you know, did Quaid get attached? And I haven't seen it. And um, maybe maybe it's so mind-blowingly good that I'm going to eat my words one day. But yeah, we're going to find out because all the Wilder Napalm fans, they're all going to come out of the woodwork. And yeah, the they're they're going to be like, you know, uh, I think I've told you this before. Um, Dear Bob Stallions, yeah. I've loved you guys for many years, but I can't believe you'd have the audacity to go after Wilder Napalm, especially having not seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, the uh, Years ago, my friend and I started a beer blog uh, called Liquor Pig. And it was like this sort of my friend had this certain writing style. You know, he 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 really enjoyed it was all basically a, a writing exercise for him because he wanted to write in this kind of Hunter S. Thompson-esque style, you know. Mm -hmm. And um so we would find the worst things we could find to drink and then you know get you know, discordant with, you know, I just remember um, one of his descriptions was we, we bought a beer from India and he's like, I'd rather drink the water from the Ganges river, you know, while the bodies are floating in it than drink this again. And, you know, stuff like that. And what was funny though, is there was a few beers we drank and they just spit it out that no good. Mm. And we still get comments. Like we haven't done anything on that blog in like 10 years. Uh we still occasionally get comments like you two idiots don't know good beer. If you, tr you know, it's like, it's just our preference. You're, you're you know, never, it, as, as I've, I quoted you, I think in an interview when I was talking about the garbage pale kids movie and I said, whatever movie that's somebody's favorite. Movie. Yeah. 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 That, but it's like, but these people don't understand that. Like, yeah, two of us drank it. It was repulsive to us. You like it. Good um good for you we didn't enjoy it that doesn't mean we're dumb that doesn't mean you know what i mean like it's well, but also, weirdest... also in my defense for for all the wilder napalm fans out there that are going to come out and scratch my eyes out um it's not like we're not champions of things that the wider world you know hate we, we, you know what i mean we've championed so many we champion so many things that are our things that are not mainstream that if we're going to take a shot at wilder napalm Let's do a Wilder Napalm episode. Let's watch it in real time. Yeah, let's do a, let's do a commentary track and do a commentary track. We'll for, sell it. We'll do two. We'll, we'll get do rich. one. For three, we'll do one for three amigos. Yeah. 
one for Wilder Napalm and see if you can stay awake for the first one. That'd be fun. The, the, the Three Amigos one would be fun because I've never so, seen <laughs> I'm guessing the next big thing he does is Mars Attacks. Am I right? Um. Well, if you'd let my... Because I have a list right here. Okay. Oh. I am cribbing. Um, the next thing he does after is a movie that I just want to... A couple of movies that I just want to talk about. One is We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, which was this voice oh, cartoon yeah. thing. I was so sick of this commercial because I think in the summer of 93, I went to the movies a ton with friends because there was, you know, I was working landscaping or some crap. And the only thing to do at night was go to the movies. And uh, this ad played forever at my local theater and they kept advertising it like, and it has the voice of Walter Cronkite. Like, Kids give a shit about Walter Cronkite, and it every week, you know, when I, I think I always went to movies on like 250 Tuesdays or whatever, and to I just remember that like they kept bringing up Walter Cronkite, and it was like it's bizarre. so weird you bring this movie up, yeah, uh, for a number of reasons, but but no one else because, will. Well, because I just I stumbled on some YouTube video, like I forget who it was, but it was like so and so goes through their most iconic roles for gq or something and you know the cameras on whoever it is and and then they mention that you know like the big lebowski and then they talk about how it had you know maybe it was a bridge maybe it was the jeff bridges one that was recent and then it it linked to the next one which was john goodman and he tell he starts telling a story about some movie that whatever the the offer was but he starts whatever the next title is they're going to do he starts by saying I had just done um, some cartoon thing, some, I don't know, it was a Spielberg uh, thing. It was like about dinosaurs or something and um, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to tell the story. And I sat there and thought, he doesn't even remember the name of the, he's, he wor he's worked so much. Can you imagine like being that prolific and having that much money and like whatever that, that it was a little dinosaur movie that you did a voice for that you don't even remember the name of, but it came from Spielberg. Well, I kill, yeah, I get that. I mean, I've read articles about Denny Trejo watching a movie and going like, this movie's great. And then he sees himself in it and goes, oh, I did this. So, you know, I think it's just when it's work. That it's I understand. Yeah. The Danny Trejo thing, I totally understand. <laughs> I thought but, that was really funny. But as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, I bet that's the one. It's called We're Back. Yeah. A dinosaur Tale or something. I didn't know Martin Short did a voice in that. Well, I think they got everybody they could. But the next film... Is that 93? That's 93. In 94, he did one film, and that is Clifford. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Clifford did pretty well. No. It didn't? Okay, it didn't. <laughs> no. well, I thought I mean, it did. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm thinking it made of $7 million at the box office. Uh, you know what? You know what? My bad. I'm thinking of Beethoven because both of them oh, have, okay. both have Charles Grodin in them as the straight yeah, man. Yeah, Thanks. Beethoven did amazing. Beethoven Clifford did really Clifford well. is a weird ass movie. I haven't seen but, it in a long. But time, you can though. you can see how I get that mixed up. Clifford is the name of the big red dog. Yes, and Beethoven. I get it. I get yeah. Six, yeah, I get. It. I you're yeah, and and we could probably for some reason I've been thinking about Debbie Mazar all week, so that connects it too. And she was in uh, uh, the Cl Clifford with Duchovny, she, right? She was in Beethoven, I believe. She's in Beethoven, shit, with yeah. Duchovny. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. 
this is uh crazy well it just these the, just the cobwebs in my head clearly yeah. where these little yeah. bits of information are living that don't mean anything to anyone and i'm wasting my life here with you no i'm kidding i'm kidding i plan There's to play these tapes in the old folks home sir <laughs> okay uh, so he does he does clifford which clearly was going to be a disaster because i, I really the, the film was actually made in 90 and oh, then was it yeah but something about orion pictures or whatever so yeah it was never going to do anything but i really wanted to see it because it was so freaking weird him playing a child um and it was like the forced perspective and he's, he's yeah yeah he's, yeah he's with, and just, yeah just do that straight for an entire movie is almost like poison for an audience you know what i mean like it's just too high concept and yeah. um it was a it was a bad idea on paper I'm and guessing. it's a black comedy which you know they can always go south um and that was post problem child right because that thing i never understood why people how people that's become so beloved over the years because it, it you know what that's what i want to say is like f problem child i hate problem child oh my god like how is this something anybody wants to sit through and a, shitty, a shitty child just being shitty yeah yeah and, and it got a sequel and clifford which i think is just bizarre and wonderful at the same time doesn't uh yeah. you know doesn't even do well i don't oh, understand so, the world so you like you actually you've seen clifford i've never seen it but you've yeah. seen it it's worth it's, seeing i don't think i've seen the whole thing uh pub stumble uh but here we go let's let's it, do an episode called <laughs> brian's pub stumbles i have seen some all things, the movies, sir love story the way we were oh man i i can remember the the perfect time my friend and i came home from the pub we decided to sit down turn on the tv and the credits for frankenstein conquers the world came on and it was like yep throw the converter away we're my life is perfect yes everything's coming together <laughs> i'm glad we came home early friend boy um, did the planets line up tonight <laughs> So okay, so then yeah. he does Mars Attacks, right? Ninety six. No, he, yeah, he does Father Bride two. He does something called The Pebble and the Penguin. I've never heard of, and then he does Mars Attacks, which is a movie that I honestly think went over everybody's heads. I think so. Uh, too. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's as good as it hoped to be, or sh maybe should have or could have been, um, but. It, it, it's it's I it almost feels like you know because if you think about it especially these days when you I just read an interview with Tim Burton the other day that was the 30th anniversary of um, or 35th or whatever it was of Batman Returns wow. and he's just he's so he's so the gloves are off as it, when it comes to Warner Brothers <laughs> just the whole you know how they treated him throughout that you know batman and the second one and the black goo coming out of the penguin's mouth and whatever whatever the whatever the faults of it are they they gave him such a hard time they gave him carte blanche and then gave him such a hard time with everything and had to have a meeting with mcdonald's and all these things um you almost get to the point where you think when you're watching mars attacks that like he just took their money and just went i'm just going to do a piss take for for two hours this is just there's because there's really no story to that movie there's no yeah i don't there's no real narrative to the there's no narrative like just, you know it's like basing a movie on a board game for god's sake um <laughs> but i do kind of 
I don't know. I, I liked it at the time. Um, I think oh, it came I, out I, in I, a bad. What was the other big space alien? Was that? Well, it was. It was the antithesis to Independence Day, really. Oh, Independence really? Day, it was, and I hated Independence Day. So yeah, I would. Um, I take Mars Attacks any day, and I saw it yeah. in the theater the night it opened, and it's got great stuff in it. It's got great visuals in it. It's completely bonkers. Um, I, I remember taking the escalator down from the theater and realizing because I sometimes things take a while to s sink in with me, and turning to my my wife at the time and saying, um, "Oh my God, the Martians were just jerks," <laughs> you know, like I just like they didn't. There's no shooting that dove had no meaning, you know, and it just the whole thing just made me like laugh again because I. But just and realized, it's and it's got it's got that that dark Burton-esque kind of humor too, where it's kind of disturbing. Like the, yeah. the, the scene with Brosnan and um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker with their heads on the dogs or whatever, the, however they're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of shocking. Like, you know, these two beautiful people. But it's also insanely silly. It's so... insanely silly, but it's just, you just, oh, I didn't expect it to go there. Or that was more of like a, maybe a kids-ish kind of thing or whatever this well, thing is. Well, those cards are definitely not, um, Right, like they they were for kids. There's a who, who's the woman who's in the the older woman. I can't think of her name, and I feel bad because she was a iconic 30s 40s actress. But she's the she's the she's their uh, grandma. Yeah, but she's the spiritual the the, the advisor to the two ghosts and Beetlejuice. And yeah, yeah, Sylvia. she just recently passed away, I believe. She's Sylvia something, I think. Yeah, and she, he's the kid from Witness is driving her around. He says something to her like, "You must have been." really weird for you huh like when you know when uh trains showed up and things like that and he she turns to him and she's like how old do you think i am kid yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's a great little line just comes out of nowhere she's barely involved and then he says something like when trains were built or something or like the technology changed she's like how old do you think i am <laughs> it's very funny and tom jones is in it and but martin short's very funny in it and it's kind of a change of pace because it's it's kind of a sleazy sort of character. We hadn't really seen him do something like that character, I don't think, before. Um, it does well, but it doesn't do that well. And of course, he's not the focal point. No, no. In fact, of, he I, dies pretty early in it, if I recall correctly. Yeah. He well, he he's he he's the one that uh, brings in uh, Lisa Marie. Picks up Lisa Marie with the. Um, also, when I used to go down, I only did it a few times, but uh, they do the big Halloween parade in West Hollywood. Uh, every year, what they still do, they block, you know, block off eight blocks of West Hollywood, and and it was worth it just to go and be in the environment and everything. And these some of these costumes that people did, and I'll never forget one. There was a woman who did that character from Mars Attacks. Wow, beautifully, but but the hoop skirt type thing down to the ground. She was clearly on roller skates, and she was just kind of gliding down the street and using her arms. You know the same way that Lisa Marie, just barely tilting her head and gliding, you know, down down the street. It was amazing. That's cool. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, what does he do next? Does he do a show, a TV show after that? He does a movie called Jungle to Jungle. Uh, I believe that was a Tim Allen vehicle. Uh, oh my Another, God. another. By the way, another freaking French film redone i believe and another um, movie that you see you, i remember seeing the trailer being in the yeah. theater and just going how is this happening like how does this become a thing that seems to be that anybody thinks is going to work yeah 
uh, he then gets a job playing in a movie called The Simple Wish. We should look at the television stuff too. Oh, Simple Wish is that's a fun little movie. That's yeah. got a following. That's but a that, again, movie. he gets these impish characters, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a voice. I think he's in, in the Merlin TV series too, isn't he? The Merlin. The, well, we'll go through TV after because that's interesting as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Prince of Egypt again, um, voicing something called. Mumford. Oh yeah. Oh Mumford again, a Lawrence Kasdan film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a bad movie. Um, a uh, teen comedy called Get Over It. Uh, wow, Treasure Planet. Oh brother. Um, is that the trying to that, find something? He does a lot of voice. Um, is that Don Bluth? Treasure Planet. Me? Was that a Don? Yeah, Bluth? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always felt bad. No, it's Walt Disney. Sorry, that's oh, Walt, it's Walt Disney. Disney. Okay. And then here's where we should get it at television because uh, Jiminy Glick and La La Wood came out in 2004. So let's talk a little bit about some of his shows. And I just wanted to backtrack a little bit because he had a show called um, The Martin Short Show uh, that ran for only, I think, a few episodes that I really liked. Him and Jan Hooks. Was it a sketch thing? It was like what? a sketch thing, but he was he was a sketch host in his home life, and um, yeah, but Jan Hooks played his wife, and it had Brian Doyle Murray, and I really liked the show, and then it ended really quick. So what they did, um, this is kind of funny, they did like a Saturday Night Live type special in the summer. I remember watching it. Uh, be, just for their canceled show, like it was an infomercial. I don't. I don't think I remember this at all. Really? Eh? What this year? Good. Ninety four. Yeah. This. This. There was another show that was that was. I gotta say, early nineties. That was a Christopher Guest show. That was on, and, and Dave Thomas, I think, was in it too. And it was about a fictional duo like Laurel and Hardy. And they were, and the show was like a. a, a oh, I remember that show. Yeah, that show. Um, Do you remember the like name 92, of it? Ninety-two. It was Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner and uh, was Dave Thomas? I don't think it was Dave Thomas. Oh, just give me. Rob Reiner was the host. Yes. And it was yeah. Every week, it was they supposed to be two old comedians. What was that show? Um, and then they recreate the the thirties you know movies that they did yeah the, yeah the yeah morton i wanted to say, morton and hayes that was it morton and hayes and it was, it was a christopher guest and michael mckean and it michael starred uh, kevin pollack um kevin pollack yeah oh now i gotta find that yeah say fella you know that kind of acting yeah and um it was probably maybe three episodes or something six. Probably yeah six. that's all they got yeah okay I gotta find that. I bet that's up on YouTube. But anyway, that's not Martin Short. I apologize. Oh yeah, no, um, we, but that, that so, unlocked the door. Um, what did he? What did he do after? Um, well, he actually had a talk show um, too called the Martin Short Show. I don't know where that aired. If oh, syndicated. Um, so he had that going on for him too. And then we he also created. Say, speaking of talk shows and Sammy Maudlin and all these things, one of the all-time best talk show guests to ever come on a show martin short because he's incredibly funny and he knows just when to throw the jokes in he knows just when to he, he's never overbearing he's never like he doesn't wear out his welcome he doesn't beat something to death but nice he's one. a wonderful wonderful guest on uh on any show 
I agree. And um, his big one, though, would have to be Jiminy Glick after that. Which... Now, if I'm getting this timeline right, I'd done a show called Let's Bowl. It was a Comedy Central show. We went back to Minneapolis to do it. It was a bowling show, a real competition bowling show with two characters that, you know, one was the straight guy, one was the, the goofball. Um, and people would come on and compete. Like, you know, you're tired of your roommate doing whatever that you come on. And if you win, you do this. And if you win this round, you get a car or something. Um, so right around there, when we were doing the second season, maybe in 2001, 2002, I forget what it was. But I seem to recall getting a copy of this Jiminy Glick pilot. Because I think it was a show that they did as a pilot for Comedy Central. Yep. And it somehow got into my hands. And the, and the person that was like, everybody seems to hate this, but I think it's going to be good. And I watched it and went, it's going to be great. Like, you know, and then got it right back to him. It was like a VHS copy. And, um, and I thought it was wonderful because of him, because it's going to, it's going to, you know, the strength of, of him. And so, so it, it went to series obviously, but I, I saw it before it went to series. And then it was, you saw the behind the scenes stuff too, right? Was that, wasn't it? He had the show, but you'd see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Too. Yeah, he'd see his life, and uh, I think uh, Jan Hooks played his wife again. Yeah, and Michael McKean was on it. Like you know, he's using his friends, but I, yeah, I thought his ability because I believe all the interviews were kind of gotcha interviews where they didn't know what he was going to do, and yeah. you know, he would just he would just have these plays, these moves, and he was also really passive aggressive with them oh you know? yeah to the and, point again being uncomfortable you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i you know i thought he i thought he just did such an amazing job as that character and yeah it's not always that fun to watch because he's so awful you know uh but that is that is absolutely one of my favorite things he's ever done and i i've come to appreciate it more now because i'll watch jiminy glick clips on uh various you know on youtube and that sort of thing it's a, it's it's a like, wonderful character absolutely and yeah it's brilliant in it did, so did you ever see the film because the film is weird i've never seen the film no okay i did and it's weird it's a it's like a, a murder type thing and he plays david lynch at oh the weird yeah he's like sitting there with a cigarette and the hair and he does, he's doing it dead on impression of david lynch talking about the weirdness of hollywood and so that's gotta he be just, what... he just reminded me of one of his greatest characters we didn't talk about on sctv which is brock linehan um brock which Lin is the brock linehan was this interviewer this red-headed interviewer and he would go you know the great catherine deneuve you know and he would know all this stuff about her it was based on a friend of his who had a show here in Toronto called City Lights, okay. named Brian uh, uh, Brian Linehan. And Brian Linehan was a fastidious interviewer. Okay, he's very kind of, you know, and I say to you, Harrison Ford, you know, very uh, prompt, but but he, very proper. But he would get respect because you know mm -hmm. he knew his shit. Right. And, you know, he would go, you know, June in 1941, you were on the beach, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's and, really well. and the actor would go, I don't know how the hell you knew that. And that was, but so what, what Martin Short did was a flip on that. 
and he would be like he would say something and they'd go no those facts are entirely wrong and and brock linehan he had the same arrogance or the same um energy as, as brian linehan i wouldn't call brian linehan arrogant but you know he was professional uh but he was a failure he was a flop and there was the humor in that and there is a scene on SCTV where Brock Linehan does a documentary. Brian, yeah, Brock Linehan goes and does a documentary on he, him going home, and no one remembers him. And the woman he lost his virginity to doesn't remember him. <laughs> and then the only person who remembers him in the whole thing is his um, gym coach. <laughs> and uh, it's John Candy as a priest, you know, and he's like, and then you fumbled, and your daddy said, I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> and then he begs Brock Linehan to dribble. And I, I, I tell you folks, seek this one out because it's this, so this funny. It's so funny. You have to see it. I can't do it justice, but he dribbles and he dribbles like an infant. And John Canty's laughter is so genuine. And so like, you could just, it would stab you if it was you, you know what I mean? It's that it's, like, this is so ringing a bell. Yeah. And, um, literally it is possibly for me the funniest thing that ever came out of sctv is oh, just wow. that minute because just candy makes me want to like pee my pants laughing at how you know back to us back to sctv though again yeah. one of the things that he would always do on talk shows is the, the impression of of katherine hepburn he did do an impression of her on the show didn't he, he? did her on Tyrant live and sctv yeah he did snl too okay yeah 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 because that's like dead on and he told the story before i think on carson probably of like did you ever do it for her or, or have you does she know is she aware of it or did you see it he tells a great story about how he was either in a room with her or she knew about her something but that's a terrific impression like what a strange impression to do for yeah especially for a man for a uh, man yeah but he, he nails it nails it so um after that you know he's he's done some interesting things i think the two things that he's doing that are interesting for is he did Schmigadoon and then he's done this only mergers in the building, which I am not uh, all that familiar with, but you seem to be. Yeah, I, I am. Well, I was going to say he also did um, something. I'm going to get this wrong probably, but that first season of, uh, there was a show called damages with Glenn. Close oh yeah. Yeah. I remember and, that show and Rose Byrne. And I, I think I stayed with it for about three seasons, but I'll, I'll only say this, that first season of damages um, was so well done, but it also was a kind of brilliant because it starts at the end and then you keep and then you go backwards, but then you keep going back to a particular character in the present as the story unfolds week to week, you keep going backwards and find out more information about this thing that happened. And it was just one of the, few shows that clearly had it mapped out like they had a dry erase board and went okay here's the ending now let's go backwards and it's all going to come together at the end and it did a wonderful job at, at doing that uh instead of just hooking you week in week out um the 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 seasons afterwards never really i don't think matched up closely to what the first season was but i think in the second season second or third season maybe william hurt was the main big lead guest and martin short played a lawyer a kind of oh lawyer. that makes sense and he was terrific in it but he played it completely straight and i don't think i'd ever really seen him do something completely straight all throughout and he, he was terrific in it 
Um, uh, but only murders in the building uh, is great. It's 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 very you know it's not it's it's kind of gentle, um, but it's got a dark kind of sense of humor to it. Um, it. It's uh, it's a little bit murder mystery kind of where it, where it, it does get a little a little weird um, with some of the twists and turns in it, but it doesn't matter because it's Steve Martin and Martin Short on screen together, and Martin yeah. Short. Martin Short absolutely steals the show. Man, he doesn't just steal every scene. He's just like, he's so, he's this, you know, not washed up in the sense he doesn't have a dime to his name, but he was a, a Broadway producer. And so whatever, whatever the situation is, it's like, oh my God, when we did our off-Broadway thing, you know, it's this constant run of gags about these insane adaptations that they did for stage or a musical that didn't work or somebody... <laughs> somebody drowned in the Houdini musical or something. I mean, I'm making it up, but it's, it's that kind of ongoing gag. Um, and he, everything is sort of, you know, in the theatrical kind of, you know, he always sees everything in this way. And that, of course, they're also doing this murder podcast. And he's just, it's just a, a showcase for him to just be everything we kind of love about Martin Short. Steve Martin kind of, you know, plays it a little closer to the vest and he's a little more, more straight, but still very funny. And then uh, Selena Gomez is is great in it as a very different character, and, and as the, for the three of them, for the unit, she's much younger and everything, mm. great characters that pop up in it, uh, and some great little mysteries. But really, if you haven't, if anybody hasn't seen it or watched it, I would say you could watch it just for Martin Short because he's so delightful in it, and he ste he steals the show, just without even doing much. You that, know? that doesn't sound like a big surprise. I was just wanted to talk about. A couple of shows he did where he did exactly that, and that would be um, Arrested Development. I thought um, his character of Uncle Jack was kind of oh, yeah. really broad, but really funny. Oh, um, yeah. God, he was even in that. Yeah. Throw me at him. You know, that was just so bizarre. Yeah. I know that was written for him, and he's he's always great in that. Um, and I liked him on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as well, where he played kind of um, a... Um, uh, a, a plastic surgery doctor. Okay, now that I haven't seen. Oh, okay. Kimmy Schmidt's great. Um, that I've never... I watched the first two episodes and it just wasn't my thing and I never kind of went back to it. Oh, but it, it gets I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought it up because... And I need four seconds to figure the name... Okay, got it. There's a movie called Inherent Vice that is um, an adaptation of a book it is by the film is by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm -hmm. It's got uh, Joaquin Phoenix in the lead. Um, uh, what's his name? Josh Brolin. Um, uh, oh God, who am I thinking? Eric of? Roberts. Eric Roberts, uh, the woman who's who's Sam Waterston's daughter, whose name is escaping me right now, is in it. Um, it is one of these movies that it comes out. It came out and everyone just tore it to bits. And I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it, I think, on HBO or something. And it was there was something about it that I just went, "Huh, that was that was weird. That's a weird flick, you know." Then the next time I saw it, I started to kind of fall in love with it. And basically, it's 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 Paul Thomas Anderson's sort of homage to uh, the Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman, um, uh, Philip Marlowe uh, picture from, with Elliot Gould from the early seventies. And Joaquin Phoenix is this stoned constantly stoned detective dresses kind of like serpico beard big sideburns floppy hat 
it takes place in like 1971 or 72. Um, and there's a mystery involved and it starts to build and it does become like a, a Chandler-esque, a Raymond Chandler-esque kind of mystery. But Martin Short shows up in it as a plastic surgeon that's constantly doing coke. <laughs> and he's freaking hilarious. He's kind of sinister, but he's hilarious in it. And it's just like, I remember him when he, when I fir he first pops into the thing, I'm like, oh my God, he's in this too? Like, and Josh Brolin's, like they went to high school together. Joaquin Phoenix and Brolin went to high school together. Joaquin is clearly a burnout, but, but really bright, this character called Doc. And um, Brolin has become a cop. And so he's got the crew cut and the tight shirts and the tie, you know, way too tight. Like he's just, he's like, it's all bottled in. He wants to, you can tell he wants to get nuts, but he can't because he's so straight. And he's always given this Joaquin, char Joaquin character shit. But it's worth, it's worth seeing because it's, it's a weird movie. And it's, it started to take on another life where people are kind of now, now looking at it going, oh, this is actually a great Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, it's, not cool. a, it's not an original, but it's, it's called Inherent Vice. It's worth checking out. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. So that's pretty much our Is that it for Martin, Martin Short? Short? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that somebody wants me to talk about Santa Claus 3, but I won't uh, because I've seen it and I'm mad about that. Okay. Um, well, that's the third one for the list. I have children. Seen, I but, have children. A, children defense. A, I've also seen a grown-ups movie. A, I honestly didn't know there was a Santa Claus 3. Yeah. I think I knew there was a second I one. I envy you. I certainly didn't know that Martin Short was was in it. But this is the other thing I'd say about him. And um, he's always had a boyish face. You know? Yeah. From, from the I was surprised to see he's 72. He looks fantastic. Yeah. He's, you know, he's clearly, an, you know, older now. But, but he's got just as much vitality. And he looks... You know, Steve Martin looks great, too. I don't know if any of them have had work done. Well, I don't you know. know, Steve Martin looked 40 when he was 20. Exactly. So that, that's awesome. But Martin Short still has that kind of, you know, you know, kind of impish, um, you know, like he's like he's he's up to something kind of grin and look to him. And uh, and that's what I thought when I saw the billboard and I was thinking about the show. And I'm like, I just I love that we still he's still doing stuff. We're still living in this world that he's doing stuff and he's still Martin Short. He's just terrific in what he does. And a very, very I think he's a short very, on charm or talent. I think he's a very, very naturally funny person as well. Yeah. His brother's but, a writer too. I wanted to mention his brother was on SCTV as well. And he's okay, so there you go. Mike I think, Short. I think he might have been a writer on the cartoon. Could be. And is Flaherty's yep. brother a writer too? Paul Flaherty is he? Paul Flaherty actually created the Martin Short show. Okay, I think there might be a connection there with those two on the writing. Aussie Canadians on the writing of the uh, of the cartoon as well. And if anybody <laughs> has a cartoon, you should because it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, check that out. And somebody and, buy find me the doll and buy it for me, please. Yeah, and watch more SCTV. All and right, SCTV. That's there you it go. for us this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you are a fan of us, why don't you check out our Facebook page or Facebook group, Pod Stallion. It should be easy to find. Uh, there's lots of folks in there, and we do odd things. Yes. Do you want to mention um, anything about uh, maybe a I possible... we were going to keep that quiet. <laughs> oh, you mean the toys. Um, <laughs> Not the thing from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. 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 Thanks. Um, yeah, we're we're doing little mini 
in-action figures called polyester pals of our avatars, Satin Monster and Ron Space Pimp. And they should be out in October. I am making them in China with thanks to my friends at White Elephant Toys. And for and the I'm, record, since it's not really in print anywhere, Brian is Satin Monster. Yes. And I am Ron Space Pimp. That is correct. We've never really gone public with that, but no. that is the truth. No, but that actually everyone who's ever seen a Pod Stallions promotional piece has asked me, which one are you? It's a very unusual, you know, you see two creatures and you go, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm that guy. <laughs> it just kind of worked. We just, I remember we used to go and we talked, it just kind of agreed instantly. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm fine with and, that. And now we've gone, now it's public. It's no longer a mystery. Who was the uh, walrus? The walrus was Paul. That'll yeah. be a collider video today. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Oh, yeah. If only. Yeah. We're kind of a big deal, you know. Yeah. We're getting there. It's only taken seven years. That's right. <laughs> We're like the Ramones. We'll inspire a lot of people, and eventually that will lead to money. Yeah. Um, I'm only doing this for the people after I'm dead. Yeah. Really. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you, Thanks, everybody, everybody. For listening. All right. Cheers. Cheers.